Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. How do you make the simple complex? How do you reduce the complex to simple? When you have a simple system that you can make complex on a weekly basis, you become an elite coach. Most coaches want to do is they want to start with the complexities of their scheme and then revert back and wonder why we're making mistakes. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Andre Paraiso, in for Elliot Bowman on the ones and twos with us. And Michael, this is a special day for us here. Obviously, we have the podcast on the DraftKings Reach, but we also work for VSIN, which is the Vegas Stats and Information Network, the sports betting network. And our pro football betting guide has been out now. So we figured that, hey, let's do a pro football betting guide extravaganza to let folks know, give a little appetizer as to what they can get there as they're preparing to make their NFL bets this fall. You know, I think it's so important that, you know, I don't know about you, Femi, but it's hard to keep track of the NFL, the, the idiosyncrasies that happen, the moves, and our betting guide is really a great resource because if you're going to bet even on a recreational uh, level, you, you got to do some homework. I mean, you're just not going to, you know, hit it if you don't do homework and trust your instincts. And I think, to me, football has always been in the data information business, and this guide is, is spectacular. You know, the pro guide's great, and I think it'll really help people if whether you enter the contest, uh, you know, the 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 million dollar contest where you have to pick five winners every week mm-hmm. or the survivor contest where you just have to pick one winner every week. To me, it's going to help you greatly make money. You've got to invest money to make money, Femi. You do. You do. And, and we know people are spread thin. I know summer is here. People are taking vacations. Let us help you with this pro football betting guide to where you don't have to be crunching numbers while you're supposed to be going out to a barbecue. You're supposed to go out to so-and-so's vacation or whatever. You don't have to do all that stuff. We're here to help you guys out and be able to condense everything and make sure it's all consolidated. So, and not to sound yeah, like a shill. Read it on the I beach. Hate, read, it, yeah. read it on the exactly. beach while you're, while you're lotioning up. 
<laughs> I don't want to like I don't want to come across as like a shill or anything like that. That's not what we're doing. That's not who we are. But we want to let you guys know, give you a little peek behind the curtains as to what the Pro Football Betting Guide is all about. Both Michael and I have written in our Pro Football Betting Guide. I wrote some stuff on the awards. We'll get into that a little bit coming up later in the next segment. But Michael, I know you really wanted to highlight coaching as one of the things that you wrote about in our Pro Football Betting Guide. In addition to your predictions and all that stuff, which we'll get into a little bit later on down the line this summer. Yeah, I I think to me, one of the misnomers about handicapping in games is the coaching matchups. And it's not Dan Campbell versus Mike McCarthy. That matchup, you know, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about coordinator to coordinator. You know, now sometimes the head coach is the coordinator. But I was watching during the NBA playoffs, I was watching Shaq and Barkley talk about coaching impact in the NBA. And, you know, there's so many people that think the NBA is just a league of talent and there's really no coaching. When if you understand the NBA, it's a lot of coaching and it needs talent, too. Don't get me wrong. But talent needs to be put in the right systems in the right way and how to attack the opponent. And so I wanted to write a column about, you know, what why coaching matters and why if you're not handicapping the coaching or researching the coaching on a weekly basis and kind of taking the games you want to play and then sitting down and saying, okay, Kyle Shanahan against Mike Tomlin over the course of the last five years when Kyle was an offense coordinator in Atlanta, when he was an offense coordinator in Houston, when he was the head coach in San Francisco, because all three places he's run the offense entirely, okay? So mm-hmm. against, you know, when he plays against Mike Tomlin, who kind of runs the defense in Pittsburgh, whether, you know, not entirely, but there are times where he, but he's got greatly influenced, then you have a way of seeing what success ratio that coach has against another coach. And I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind with the success ratios because we know styles sort of make fights here. And in the instance of Kyle, I know the one that a lot of people have always pointed out was Kyle Shanahan and then Sean McVay. Like, like I know that's just head coach versus head coach, but for some reason, like the one of the Rams and the 49ers with the Rams just really could not get over that hump until they finally did in the NFC title game a couple years ago. Like the Niners would always dominate them. We saw the Niners dominate them once again last year as well, the Rams having their issues. But like those kind of styles making fights really should factor into your handicap. Well, it's really the strat you're playing the opponent. So when you're playing a chess match, right, if you're a great chess player, you study the other chess player how, what he does, what his moves are, sure, her moves are. And you kind of get a portfolio on that. So Kyle, who's at Sean McVay, started at Tampa Bay as graduate assistants, basically. They've come through the system, right? So they understand each other, and they know the flaws within their system. And so they help the defensive coaches out, kind of, hey, if you do this against Sean, this really gives him problems because he doesn't have an answer for it. It's like I say all the time, if if Kyle Shanahan gets behind in a game and he has to rely on drop-back pass game, same thing with Sean McVay, if they have to rely on a drop-back pass game, it becomes a real issue. They don't have enough drop-back passes. It's the same thing with Philadelphia, the Eagles, who never got behind. It's the same thing with Gary Kubiak when he was running his offenses. They're all play-action. And they rely on, you know, the the play fake to give the offensive line who are undersized and more athletic to handle protection than with the has straight drop back. So to me, I think you have to you have to constantly go through that, right? You know, you have to constantly ask yourself, okay, Lou Amarolo is going to play against Kevin Stefanski. Let's see how that looks. 
and let's see over time what has happened, what adjustments they make, what do they do from one year to the next, how does it all lay out. I think if you're not doing that in the handicapping, I think you're really making mistakes. And I believe this, Femi, what what happens to a team, you know, we've all heard this, you've said it, I've said it. Well, you know, they're playing really well right now, and then they go up against it. Okay, the Detroit Lions are playing really well. They go down to Carolina and they get smoked. Was it they took a day off? Or was that the Carolina Panthers under Steve Wilkes really understood how to attack Jared Goff? Okay? He understood what to take away from Goff. And he was really good at that. And it also understood that James Camp and the line coach and the offensive coaches on Carolina knew how to run the ball against Detroit. There it is, right? So that's the handicap. It wasn't that Detroit was flat or Detroit took them for granted. There was It was in the coaching that really mattered. Yeah, and we saw that come to fruition, especially with that run game with Carolina. I mean, 300-plus rushing yards. You know, one thing that's, I think, really interesting with this is because all throughout the offseason we see – coaching changes, coordinator changes. I think of Baltimore and when they had Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator, you mentioned not having that drop back pass game and not being able to come from behind. The Ravens were kind of like that. Even in that season when they went 14 and two and were the number one seed, then they had that disastrous divisional round game against Tennessee fell behind and really never could have made up that ground with now that they've made the change to Todd Monken. Like, how does that kind of fact, like, how do you, like, do you go back and study all of Monken stuff? Because Monken, he was in the NFL, but most recently was the offensive coordinator of the national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Like, how much of Monken's past do you have to study that and kind of apply that going forward with now Baltimore in 2023? Well, the Saturday game is different than the Sunday game. So all the stuff he was doing at Georgia in terms of his productions are are too basic to just continue. He's going to have to expand his protections. And, you know, that's – but he's been in the league before, so he already knows that. Uh, I think, to me, it's going to take a little bit of the month of September to really get a handle on Moncton. You know, I don't know if you could go back to when he was at Tampa or really understand it because you're you're dealing with Lamar, and what is he going to do with Lamar, right? And how does he handle Lamar? Look, let's take Mike McDaniel for an example. You know, Mike McDaniel, we all thought he was going to go to Miami and run the football. Right, we all thought he was going to go down there, yeah. run Kyle's offense, try, you know, and play action. He ended up thirty-first in rushing attempts. He threw it all over the lot, even though his quarterback got hurt. Right yeah. now, the one thing we do know about that system is quarterbacks get hurt in that system because their lack of dropback pass. Whether you know whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Miami, that you know the quarterbacks have gotten hurt in their system. So I, I think you have to really kind of the new the new coordinators. And so what I do is I have a board on my I have a giant Excel spreadsheet that I take that I go week to every every week I kind of go through my power rankings I match up I come up with my lines. But I also have every week the matchups of okay you know Cincinnati's opening up with Cleveland that's Jim Schwartz versus Zach Taylor. Okay, so now I'm going to go and look at Philadelphia when Schwartz was a defense coordinator if they played Cincinnati. And then I'm going to go see Jim Schwartz against the Rams because we know that Zach Taylor's from that Ram program. See what happens in that. Then I got Kevin Stefanski against Lou Amaromo. So now I'm going to handicap that because I've got a lot of data on that. I can really go through that. So I can really spend a lot of time. Where I get into problems with this is Arizona's Washington. You know, Drew Petzik is the offensive coordinator. Yeah. He, he's going to go against Jack Del Rio. I don't know how that's going to work because there's really no comparison. I'm going to have to go to Cleveland and try to really study Petzik's background to get that. And then I got the, the defensive coordinator, which is really Gannon, but it got a guy in title against Biennemi, which is a West Coast offense. So I, I kind of have a sense of that. 
So I just think, to me, if you're not constantly focusing on the coordinator battle, and sometimes the coordinator battle is the head coach, right? It is the head coach because he's the play caller. You know, I think that the Baltimore side of this thing here, just a quick point before I want to ask you about Miami and Los Angeles, that week one game, is that maybe there's an edge to be gained because there's a lot of uncertainty as to what Monken's going to do, what that's going to look like with Lamar Jackson. So maybe the Ravens are a team that you want to keep a close eye on that first month of the season while everyone's sort of playing catch up there. But I know in the article that you wrote, you really highlighted week one Chargers Dolphins. Student versus teacher there with Fangio and then Brandon Staley. Staley came up in that Fangio uh, defense and all that sort of those philosophies that he's carried over. How do you think that's going to play into that matchup? Well, I'm going to spend a lot of time studying, you know, Kellen Moore versus Vic Fangio. And I cited it in the column. Remember when Denver went back into Dallas? You remember when they went into Dallas, when Dallas was riding high and Denver just whooped them? Yep. Remember that game? (laughs) Yeah, I do. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm not hearing you, Femi. I'm not hearing you. Do you remember that game? I mean, I, 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 I unfortunately remember that. Dallas the classic, down, they were down you know, like forget about the losses and exaggerate the wins. Anyway, so I'm going to study that, right? And then, then I'm going to study, you know, Fangio's going to be able to tell McDaniel, here's what gives Staley trouble. Now, McDaniel's got to listen to him. But trust me, if Vic's up in that press box and Fangio's and, and, and McDaniel's isn't going to listen to him, Vic's going to lose his mind. I mean, Vic's going to lose his mind. I mean, I've been told reliably that when Vic was in Chicago, you know, that if if some, you know, if, if Nagy was doing something he shouldn't be, he would be screaming. So Vic's not a mild matter. He he wants to win as much as anybody. And if with a, and if you go against the plan, that won't. But I think that's a game where both teams will know each other really well. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun game. I mean, we saw last year Staley against McDaniel there and Staley was given to all those problems in that Sunday night game. They really kind of shut off all the well, stuff he refused that he used to run to the ball. There. Staley yeah. just said, you're not going to run the ball. So I'm, I'll just, I'll just, I'll take care of it. You didn't take You didn't yep. take advantage of your weakness. Yeah. When we come and, and back we from all... the break, it's a, it's a little bit, it all goes back to Ollie Foreman. Okay. Ollie and Foreman, a little, uh, rumble in the jungle out there. A little rope-a-dope action here on the GM shop. We're going to get to it. On the other side, we're going to take a quick break, though, here. We're breaking down the Visa and Pro Football Betting Guide here on the GM Show. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust 
your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle, code 25SHUFFLE. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. What a week we have. Sun up to sundown, college basketball conference tournaments all day long for your betting pleasure. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHUFFLE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources you're listening to the gm shuffle with michael lombardi presented by DraftKings and v here is femi abebefe Well, I don't think we're going to be talking a little bit of boxing here, discussing the VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide, but you mentioned Foreman yeah. and Ali, that fight, the Rumble in the Jungle, Ali, Bumaye. What was the analogy? What was the connection that you wanted to make well, there with uh, I, I think, Ali Foreman? You know, we, this is, I think, one of the – this is a fight that if you read about this fight before, Foreman was the man. I mean, we can talk about Foreman, the grill master, and, and all that stuff, but Foreman going into this fight was kind of a, a – a Scary. potent heavyweight, you know, he heavy puncher, athletic, tough, mean. I mean, this George Foreman that we know today back then was a was kind of a not a media friendly, kind of very tough to man, you know. So when Ali went into this fight, you know, he was not by any means the favorite to win the fight. He everybody thought he was going to get killed. He's at the end of his career, and yet, so Ali developed this strategy. And we know it as rope a dope, right? That he would try the only way he could gain an advantage in the game in the boxing match was to let Foreman tire himself out. He knew Foreman was short tempered, right? He studied Foreman. He knew Foreman got pat mad quickly. And so he allowed him to he wanted to exhaust him. So he built his training up around knowing that he was going to have to be in elite shape. He was going to have to try to win the fight later. Once once Foreman got tired, he could win the fight. He did in the eighth round. He knocked him out. So the reason I use that as an example is that's what, strate- that's what strategy becomes. Then you practice the strategy or train the strategy to win the game. And that's what I'm talking about with the coaching matchups. Understand what gives the coach trouble. Understand what, what, what you have to do to win the game. And it isn't just we're going to run our stuff. It's how do we run our stuff that gives them the most trouble. And if you're not handicapping that, if you're not paying close attention to that on a weekly basis, then you're missing the NFL. And and I'm so glad you pointed out that like the coaches that just say we're going to run our stuff because I feel like you hear oftentimes coaches say, hey, we just got to control what we control. We're going to do what we do. We're going to be ourselves. It's like you, you you're you're playing another team. You're not running on air. 
Like, you know, it's like, it's like I don't know why these coaches, some of them just are so stubborn and just say, Hey, we're going to just do what we do and run our stuff versus, Hey, like, I mean, obviously you're not going to give away your game plan in a, in a press conference, but you know, it's like, understand what you're up against and how to kind of attack them. Yeah. I mean, but look, that's coach, you know, this is what we do. This is who we are. I get that. You're yeah. right, Femi, but you got to be able to be, you know, Einstein has five levels of intelligent and of intelligence and the number one level of intelligence, according to Albert Einstein, is simple. How do you make the simple complex? How do you reduce the complex to simple? And so I think what happens is, is when you have a simple system that you can make complex on a weekly basis, you become an elite coach. You become an elite coach. So what most coaches want to do is they want to start with the complexities of their scheme and then revert back and wonder why we're making mistakes. If you start with simplicity – and then every week add, de develop complexities within it. Like, let's take Schwartz. He's going to line up in a nine technique on both outsides. He's, he's going to be in this front. He's going to run these coverages. But every week he's going to do something different to try to make you play left-handed. Right? Mm -hmm. So he starts yep. simplistic, and he gets to complex. That's the same thing with Belichick. I'll start simplistic. I get complex. And to me, that's the mark of a coach. We get too married to our schemes, and that becomes a problem. Yeah, and you can have the greatest scheme known to mankind, but if the players don't understand it and they can't execute it, it's useless. <laughs> like that's just that's just the, the simple facts of it there. So I think I like that. This simple to complex to get teams to kind of play left-handed and throw them off there. So that coaching, there's a lot more nuggets in your coaching column. Once again, the Vison Pro Football Guide. It's out now, 19.99. Or if you want to become a full subscriber for the whole football season, the fall, 175 dollars all the way through the Super Bowl. I'm so excited for this. I get to see Twitter <laughs> Femi come out. Give me your picks. Let's do it. I want. I love this. I'm not going to look. Everybody's entitled to their uh, – we're talking about prop picks here, future bets, right? Yep, so, yep. Some, like, some awards bets. I, I urge everybody not to laugh because last year, you know, the great Will Hill who produces television shows, runs NBA teams, runs – he said, like, what do you think about Jacksonville to make the playoffs? And I'm like, are you kidding me? And yet they did. So I, 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 you learn your lesson to never say never. You never say never with this stuff. And the futures bets, I haven't made it. Like I said, I haven't made any futures bets other than the Jaguars win total under. Other than Justin uh, funny Fields enough. MVP, right? We know that. <laughs> Just admit it. It's he, didn't, fine. He, he, he didn't make the cut for the for the. For the Are you on the Trey Lance that? MVP train too? Have you have you joined <laughs> that with the with the uh, uh, with all the earthquake people? I'm not on that kick because I think actually Sam Donald has a good chance to be their week one starter. So I'm not on that Trey Lance kick. But okay. here are my awards bets. And I think I'll preface it by saying the awards bets, like half of the battle with awards is figuring out, all right, who's going to play well, who's going to coach well. But the other half is trying to figure out what are the voters going to do, which makes it tricky. But also, I think makes it to where you can find some, some edges because voters tend to have some tendencies there that we can kind of pick up on. And I'll start with the defensive player of the year. And this is not a homer pick by any stretch of the imagination. But I do believe he is the best player on defense in football, and that's Michael Parsons. He's the favorite right now to be the defensive player of the year over at DraftKings. You can get him around seven to one or so. And my biggest thing with defensive awards bets is that reputation matters. You have to have the name that goes along with the game. Because if you just have the game, sometimes you don't get recognized because let's be frank, we're dealing with a lot of media voters, and they're not the sharpest tools in the shed. Well, let's just put it that way. And I can say that because I used to be one of them. 
I used to be one of these people that crafted stories and all that stuff. We're not the smartest group. And no bigger tell of that was last year with my defensive rookie of the year bet. I mean, I had Tariq Woolen, led the league in interceptions as a rookie, and came nowhere close to winning defensive rookie of the year because he was a fifth round pick. And Sauce Gardner was awesome. I'm not taking anything away from Sauce Gardner. He was awesome, but everybody knew who he was. He got the runaway votes to win defensive rookie of the year. So Micah Parsons has the name that goes along with the game. He's finished second in this award twice. I mean, he's only played the, year, the league two years, and he's finished second for defensive player of the year both of those seasons. And I think that this Dallas defense, I've been talking about it quite a bit over the offseason. I think Dallas's defense is going to be one of the top five units. I think they're going to be the best defense in all of football, but they'll definitely be in the top five as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they've really shored up that run defense with the first-round draft pick, Mozzie Smith. So I think they're going to be able to stop teams on those early downs in those run situations, force them into the passing situations where Parsons and that defensive line can really start to tee off. If he's as, as disruptive as I think he's going to be with Dan Quinn back in the saddle, doing all the creative stuff that they can do at seven to one, I know it's not the long shot bet. It's kind of chalky going with the favorite, but I don't see how Parsons on that fast track in Dallas can't get up to 14, 15 sacks. And if he does that, he's going to win defensive player of the year. I mean, think about it last year. He was the runaway favorite for the award until the final month of the season when Bosa kind of took it from him because that Niners defense became the story of the second half of the season. Parsons, I think, finishes the job this year. He wins Defensive Player of the Year. Do you think he can win it? Let me let me play devil's advocate with you. Do you think he can win it if the Cowboys are second in the East? Well, they're not going to be second in the East. <laughs> okay. Right. No, I, love, I, no. love, I love Twitter Femi. I love Twitter Femi. I love it. You say you wanted me to so come out to play. Here we are. <laughs> All right. So you tie in this. Well, okay. So what is Bosa's odds? At, at, what does he set at? So Bosa, I believe, is around that 9 to 1, 10 to 1 range just because they don't want to make him the favorite because he won last year. They're baking in some of the voter fatigue stuff. So what would you think of taking, taking, Par, taking Parsons 7 to 1 and then mm -hmm. sprinkling in four other guys? Because if, if Parson wins, at f at seven to one, and you invest five hundred dollars into it, right? Yep. Say you take a hundred on 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 Parsons, and you bet four find four other guys. That I mean you don't take Aaron Donald because you know to yeah, me Aaron Donald, you know that team's not going to be good enough. They can't do that, even though he's a great player. But take yep. four other guys, and as long as their odds are above seven to one, you're guaranteed to make a profit. So. The guy that I've been thinking about that, and he's the second guy to win the award, so it's not any sort of like creative idea or anything like that. But Miles Garrett does scare me in this market because, yeah. like you mentioned, with with Jim Schwartz now there, Zadarius Smith on the other side to maybe take some attention away. If Garrett can start to get some of those one on ones, and Cleveland's offense starts to start humming along with Watson now uh, back in the saddle in year two with them. He scares me a little bit in this market, but he's also priced that way. He's the second favorite behind Michael Parsons there. So he's plus 750 yeah. over at DraftKings. Bosa is actually 12 to 1 at DK. Yeah, I mean, to me, those are three guys I would play. Look, I think I think the guy that's your biggest competition is Miles Garrett because if Cleveland yeah. wins and they have a good year and say they win the North. Oh, my God. And I don't yeah. know if they can win the North. But if, if he's rushing and he's making plays and they're dominating – then I think he would be. You know, could Chris Jones win the award? That would be hard. I think to me, Kansas City's always I mean, Chris Jones is a great player and he's hard to block. But to me, you don't ever think that Kansas City's winning with their defense, right? So no. I think it's gotta be partly you gotta win with your defense. Like could Quentin Williams win it? 
I don't know. I worry about him not having an offseason. I worry about the contract. You know, usually after mm-hmm. that, you don't have a great year. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what the, the point about it has to kind of be winning with your defense is how this goes. Because Chris Jones, he was phenomenal last season. I think he had about, what, 14, 15 sacks from the interior. And he actually ended up finishing third in defensive player of the year. But we, everybody mean, talks about the Chiefs. It's Mahomes and Reed. Like, Chris Jones yeah. is kind of an afterthought at times. Yeah, well, they outscore people. Let's face it. You know, I mean, nobody thinks of the Chiefs' defense as indestructible, right? Whereas you think of Philly, you know, they got sixty sacks out of the out of, of their seventy from a defensive front. Tony Hargrave got, you know, anytime a defensive tackle is getting double digit sacks, that guy's a great player because there's usually a three on two blocking inside, so it's hard to get pressure from in there. You know, it's yeah. like, I mean, the, the the Bills went ahead and paid Ed Oliver. You know, and Ed Oliver's supposed to be a nickel rusher. He had two sacks last year. Like, like to me, there's like, it wants you to find the role, and if the guy doesn't play in the role, it's hard. So, uh, you know, I I, I, I mean, I, I, I couldn't argue with you on that. And then you got, is this true? You have Matt, you're going to play Matt LaFleur 20 to 1 for coach of the year? Where's this Big one's Daddy? Of, I got to get him. Yeah, on I was going to say it's courtesy of our guy, Big Daddy, man. It's courtesy oh, I got, of our guy, We'll, we'll Big hit Daddy. this in the next block. We, we oh, got to yeah. take a break here in a minute, but <laughs> I got to tell you. So I don't even know if Big Daddy, I don't know where he gets his info, but I get a text from Big Daddy the other day, and he says, uh-huh. nice article on the Packers. Can you remember a couple of weeks ago I wrote a column on the Packers? Yep. You know, And, of course, naturally, he gives me a compliment, which is kind of him. The fact that he read it was a compliment enough. But then he says, you know, uh, I don't trust. I don't trust Lafleur. I don't think it's going to work. I don't trust it. What else did he say? I'm not sure. So you're buying into love. I'm not buying into love yet. It was good article, but then he went ahead and disagreed with pretty much everything I wrote, which was classic Big Daddy. I love it. <laughs> he said, "Way to go writing that." But here's where I disagree. You know, Big Daddy. But we've said it all along. He's a, he's a pessimist about his team. You yeah, know? he's a pessimist. It's, but you know, he's I think contrarian. He's the contrarian that'll still stand in front of a bus because everybody says don't stand in front of a bus. That was a great line, wasn't it? <laughs> that was yeah. a great line for our guy. All right. We're going to talk some Matt LaFleur, and we'll try to get Big Daddy believing in the Packers on the other side. And I also have a bet in the Rookie of the Year. This is the GM Show. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning, I'm checking the betting odds, I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health, and DS01 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning, it's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy, I'm sharper at work, I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed's subscription service easily builds DS01 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE.
You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Let's continue this awards discussion here. And we mentioned Matt yeah. LaFleur. That is one of my bets take for NFL floor. Coach take of the, the Year. I, I will I take mean, the floor on yeah, this I one. Give Bill and, Berman, I give Bill Berman crap for taking on the worst clients to defend. I mean, you know, it's like he, he just loves to be the contrarian and take on anybody. I, I give him crap about this. But this one might take the cake. Matt LaFleur, <laughs> take the floor. Please, counselor. I know you got a bag full of it, Inspector Gadget, down go. there. Go ahead. Give it to me. So. Once again, this is an awards bet. So this is handicapping what you think people will do over the course of the season. And it's put out there just on front street, NFL coach of the year. It's not who's the best coach in the NFL. It's which coach surprised us and exceeded expectations. I mean, look down the laundry list. I mean, your guy Rivera's won it. I think three times my guy, the clapper, Jason Garrett, he's won the award. So this is not necessarily rewarding the best coaching jobs. It's just who outperformed expectations. I think the green Bay Packers this year are set up to outperform expectations. Their win total, Michael, is sitting at seven and a half, which is the lowest that it has been since 2007. Everyone is selling the Green Bay Packers in the mainstream media. However, I do believe just based on your article and just what I've been thinking about with this team this year and based on the competition in the division, they can outperform and surprise people and win this division if Jordan Love is just average or if he's slightly above average because they have a lot of pieces around him with the offensive line. If they can get Bakhtiari and Jenkins back healthy, the running backs, the wide receivers are young, but they can take a step forward in year two. And then defensively, a lot of young talent that could take another step forward as well. When you look at the actual roster, it's pretty talented. And I think for the first time in his head coaching career, if the Packers have success and win the division, a lot of the credit will go towards Matt LaFleur because he's won 13 games a few times already, but all the credit went to Aaron Rodgers because he's the four-time MVP quarterback. Now that Rodgers is in New York, that storyline being, oh, they trade Aaron Rodgers and still won the NFC North. They're a glamour franchise. They're in primetime four to five times. All it takes is one Chris Collinsworth monologue during a Sunday night football game <laughs> to get this train rolling. I think that this is a train that cannot be stopped as long as nobody goes 17 and 0, I think if the Packers win the division, Matt LaFleur at 20 to 1 will be your coach of the year. This train carries saints and sinners. This train carries losers and winners. I mean, this is the land of hope and dreams if I've ever seen one. I love it. Look, I I, I like the Packers this year. I I I'm with Big Daddy. I think to me I don't know what LaFleur can do when he doesn't have Aaron. We're going to find out. Yep. You know, we're going to find out, but they have a good defense. And if he's and if he uses the George Foreman Ali role, which is how do I make this team win each week? He's got skilled players. He's got a really good running back. His offensive line is good. It's not great. It's good. And he's playing in a division that everybody just wants to give to Detroit. You know, you got Fields as the MVP. No one's counting on him, so he can play that card. I, I mean, look, I can't argue with it. I really can't. I, I can't yeah. argue with it. And, and, and that's what, unfortunately, I, I don't think the award should be handed out this way, but that's what the voters do. They say, all oh, right, yeah. who did we think was going to be bad? Oh, they actually were not bad. They were pretty good. And then they vote for that right. coach. Like, that's how it works. Right. Like, it's, I, I mean, it's I think it's silly. so funny. You know, every time I hear these awards, I can remember watching the Nolan Ryan documentary and the guy never won Cy Young Award. Like, how can he it's win the insane. Cy Young Award? Like, seriously, that's insane. 
It's absolutely insane. Like literally one of the greatest pitchers so of all time. So you know these awards are just are just perception. You know they're just percepted. Abid winning the yep. MVP. I mean, how about your boy Kendrick Perkins? He's coming out and saying if they don't, you know, if the Sixers don't make a trade, they they should trade Embiid. Meanwhile, if you're the MVP of the league, shouldn't you carry the team? You I mean, would think. Does people remember <laughs> what they said in the sentence before. And he was the one that was beating the don't drum for MVP to win MVP. No, don't get me started. We got to go with Steve. <laughs> yes. We got to hit Steve Mackinnon, who I think in the guide. I urge everybody when you buy the guide, the Steve Mackinnon stuff is fabulous. I mean, he takes a lot of history, takes a lot of analytical data, and pours it into the betting market, and kind of comes up with a, a a a way to formulate what we call the trends in sports betting, mm-hmm. or maybe a, a a kind of an indicator. Yeah, and no, I think the Mackinnon stuff is awesome. And he's like, he was also talking about betting trends for NFL coaches here. And one thing that he really dug into was just kind of the recent data surrounding coaching changes and use it to sort of get a feel to what might happen in 2023 and stuff. And based on the different data sets and all that stuff, like he thinks that first time head coaches are a little bit better when compared to teams that are bringing in new but experienced head coaches. So think about Jonathan Gannon, who's never been a head coach in Arizona, versus Sean Payton, who's been a head coach a number of years, now going to Denver. Steve actually likes those first-time head coaches first because I I would assume maybe it's because we don't have a lot of data on what they would do as head coaches. But I I do think that's an interesting angle to kind of play and explore for sure in our VEASAN pro football betting guide. Yeah, I, I just worry about, like, look, Gannon's a rookie coach, right? And he's got two rookie coordinators. So I do think experience matters. I mean, we talked to Ed Ed Smith a while back, and we talked about the you know the analytical community has got its place, but also experience has its place. That instinct, that ability to yeah. kind of feel it, right? And I think yeah. in Sean Payton's case, I think you know could he win Coach of the Year? Yeah, because he is. If he make if he makes Russell Wilson a better player, and Russell Wilson wins Comeback Player of the Year, right? Let's say Russell Wilson makes comeback or, you know, Kevin Stefanski makes Deshaun Watson a better player. He'll win coach of the year. So I I think to me, you know, along your lines of Cleveland, Miles Garrett, you might want to throw Stefanski in there too, coach of the year, because if they win, he'll get it because they, they, last year they finished fourth. Yeah. I think there's a number of good candidates for coach of the year. I went with LaFleur because I think that that's the most wide open division, but I mean, if Cleveland wins the AFC North and Watson plays well, Stefanski will 100% be in the conversation for coach of the year. He's won coach of the year before when he led Cleveland to the playoffs for the first time since, I mean, it was forever since right. like, what, 99 like, or whatever it was, or 2002. Yeah, I it's, think it so, it, it's such a bland, it's such a, a, an obvious award that Mike Tomlin did his best coaching job as a head coach in the NFL last year, and he couldn't even get a vote. Like, you know, like nobody even thought about it. I, I was, he's, to me, he was coach of the year. I mean, yeah, Doug Peterson did a really good job down in Jacksonville. He got made the playoffs, but they, it kind of like worked for him in his favor. The collapse of Tennessee's injuries, you know, the the Colts under your guys Saturday in the park, you know, I mean, all those things. But to me, I miss them. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't you miss Saturday in the park? Is he back really at ESPN? Do. I wonder. No, I haven't seen him. Maybe in the fall. I don't know. I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I really do miss those guys. They were great for content. Uh, but like, I think to your point, though, I mean, look, how about Nick Sirianni last year for coach of the year? I mean, they've had a phenomenal season. And I know that we were the official podcast of the Philadelphia Eagles this time last year. But I don't think anybody expected 14 and three. Uh, I, and I mean, he just kind of got we, we knew by they the had, We knew that. 
we knew they had a Gonzaga schedule. So who could have predicted yeah. fourteen and three? But I think where he deserves a ton of credit is the six back offense. Yeah, developing that offense around Hurts, really utilizing his skill set, and of course adding a, a run after the catch receiver and AJ Brown really enhanced that offense tremendously. So you know, look, the Eagles are going to still be a hard out. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how teams play the six back offense this year after studying it in the off season. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a really, really fun dynamic there with the Philadelphia Eagles. Everyone's going to be trying to take shots at them because they are now the hunted, no longer the hunter. My last awards bet that I wrote about for the Pro Football Guide is uh, Bryce Young for Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's been our guy here on the podcast. I mean, we were the first ones to say first overall to Carolina, even though the aggregators took a little slow for them to go ahead and aggregate that info. But I think that Bryce Young... I don't know why he's not the favorite. And I love Bijan Robinson. I'm a big Bijan fan. I bet on him to win the Heisman last year when he was at Texas. And right now he's plus 250 to win offensive rookie of the year. But I think Young, as the quarterback, Ty goes to the QB. And if he does yeah. what I think he's going to do and they ultimately win that division, I don't see how he doesn't win this award. Yeah, I don't either. And then if he does, if they may, if they, you know, you got to think Frank Wright will win coach of the year, don't you? He'd be in the conversation. He would yeah, for sure be in the conversation. Be, I, mean, I don't think. Like, but to me, the the Panthers aren't a bad team. I don't think it's a turnaround. Like, I, even when they fired Matt Rule, they weren't a bad team, you know. Uh, and and they proved it. Steve Wilkes did a really nice job. He didn't fit for what the owner wanted to do, but he did a really nice nice job. But I agree. I think if Bryce Young goes in there and demonstrates that instinctive leadership uh, to the team, and they play well, and he can play all seventeen games and doesn't get hurt. I think you know that they're looking to, and they win. And if Carolina wins, say they win the south, say they win the south, you know, yep. I think that's going to give them a lot of a, a lot of a push to win that award. I, I would play him. I definitely would. Yeah, I, and and once again, he's one of the a co not a co favorite. He's right behind Bijan, but he's five to one, so it's not a big long shot price like a Lafleur twenty to one to win Coach of the Year. But sometimes making the five to one bet when you know how these things kind of go, especially as rookies, I mean, you have to kind of be a first round pick to win one of these awards because yeah. let's talk about the voters. The voters are not thinking about the third yeah. round awesome rookie who's been balling out because that's not something that we were hyping up in the draft process. They're thinking about all the guys who are at the top of the draft and Bryce Young being the first overall pick. Heisman Trophy winner, played for the most high-profile program in all of college football. If he leads them to winning the division, there's nobody that's going to beat him and beat that case. Yeah, I agree. And on Bijan Robinson, to me, we got Cordell Patterson, you got Algiers there. I mean, you've got really good players. I think it's going to be hard. How how much of the ball can he get or expect? Drake London, Kyle Pitts, right? Like I, yeah. I know, you know, and, and in the backfield, like if they're not giving the ball to Cordell Patterson, then there, there's something wrong because I want to give the ball to Cordell Patterson. He's hard to tackle. Well, they're going to use Bijan like a wide receiver too. At least that's what we've been hearing through the offseason. That's a, I heard a Bijan is looking like a Marshall Falk quote in, in our, in our light year season. Like they said that, Hey, he could be that dynamic. And Bijan was awesome as a wide receiver at Texas. He was awesome as a running back. So he is kind of a weapon. But, man, the expectations are high, sky high for Bijan Robinson uh, this upcoming season. And I know all the fantasy football players love him. They're drafting him in his first three picks or whatever in the fantasy football draft, even though we haven't seen him play in the NFL. But, man, it's I'm excited to watch him play because apparently this is going to be one of the great running backs that we've seen over the last five or six years or so. So uh, that is our VEASAN Pro Football Betting Guide extravaganza here on the GM Shuffle Podcast. Once again, 
we urge you guys, if you want to get into the betting and you want to bet on the on football coming up this fall, this is an awesome guy that can be a compass for you to help you kind of consolidate great information, betting trends. We have picks in there. We have just great analysis overall. $19.99 over at VEASAN. Or if you want to subscribe for the whole football season, $175 gets you all the way through the Super Bowl. Michael, once again, this is an awesome, awesome deal. Great. Love it, Femi. Great job. Enjoy it. Enjoy all of your summer vacation, everyone. We will talk to you guys on Thursday, or rather on Monday, I'm sorry. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. But that does it for this edition of the GM Shuffle Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Andre Paraiso, filling in for Elliot Bowman on the ones and twos. Thank you to you, Michael. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. And I will talk to you guys coming up later on next week. 